RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio. How many of you out there have thought of teaching at home, teaching your kids at home? And how many of you are thinking, gosh, that's hard, that sounds difficult, I'm no teacher, I wouldn't know where to start. Well, maybe it's not as difficult as you think, and maybe it could be an amazing experience. We want to talk about this because it seems, well, to me, that many more parents are considering doing this, given the state of the education system, and we can talk about that as well. Tani Newton is someone who... Is well, would it be fair to say, Tani, and welcome? You're an evangelist when it comes to espousing the advantages, virtues, whatever you want to say, of teaching kids at home. Because I know you don't like the homeschooling term, so I'm trying trying to avoid that. <laughs> right? <laughs> yes. No. Definitely. Yeah. How come you don't like this the term homeschooling? Well, the reason I don't like it is that I think it normalizes the concept. And, um, you know, Paul, we're all brainwashed all the time with the idea that going to school is normal childhood and that this is the normal childhood experience that everyone has to go through. But that's not actually correct. Going to school has not been the normal childhood experience for most people in most places in world history. And it still isn't the experience of everyone in the world today. Um, If you look at traditional society, normal life, normal childhood is simply growing up with your parents and learning to do what your parents do. Now, obviously, we all know that that's not enough in today's modern, complex society. But I think we need to, to get away from the idea that school is normal and back to the idea that just growing up with your parents is normal. Because <clears throat> um, if you look at the statistics on home education, lots of people start, and about more than half of people who start into home education quit in less than a year. And I don't know, because I don't know all those people, but I, I, I wonder, you know, it makes my heart sore wondering how many of those people... We're just only going to do it for a short time anyway. But how many of them wanted to do it and then found that they were bogged down, they were overwhelmed, they didn't have enough support, they couldn't make it work. And perhaps they didn't spend enough time just rethinking the whole thing and thinking about what's actually normal life instead of trying to do school at home. I was just about to say, I guess at first thought, you would think that you'd you'd have to replicate the standard sort of classroom model or Mm. at least teach the standard classroom things. And uh, not so, right? right? Not so? Not so at all. I think that's what a lot of people assume. Um, You know, they have some problem of bullying or something's going wrong at school. They think, oh, okay, we're going to have to try homeschooling. And that means we've got to have a a school program and a school timetable and a school curriculum and school days and school holidays. And they they burn themselves out. But but what I try to say to people is, no, you just need to have your children at home with you living with you, just talking with you all day long, sharing your life, doing what you do. And once you've got that in place, you know, then you can take a step back and say, okay, 
what more do we need to do to meet our needs in an advanced modern society? And then you can say, okay, we need to do a bit of study, so we need to get some books. We'll spend an hour or two a day doing some book work. And you just make that fit in and make that work with your day. I imagine the education... um what would you call them, institutions, industrial oh. complex, whatever, they wouldn't like to hear you say that, would they? They'd think, oh, that, that doesn't sound like the way to do it. That's not very professional. Well, no, it's certainly not making a lot of money for them. Um, <laughs> right. <laughs> um, I guess I've lived on a probably below the poverty line for much of my life, and I've haven't even spent very much money on textbooks for my children, just got them secondhand or just got books out of the library. So as you know, the, the um, well, should we say the educational industrial complex doesn't like people looking after themselves and doing their own thing any more than the, the medical industrial complex and all those other lovely pieces. So again, follow the money. Well, there's an mm. element of that anyway is kind of what you're suggesting, is it? Yeah. So um, we're always living, of course, with, with fear that somebody will try to crack down on us, try to outlaw home education, force everyone to go to school. Um, we just sort of live with those fears from day to day. Yeah, that, that, would, that would be a legitimate fear in, right now because we've seen the kind of overreach that is possible, and, you know, why stop there? Mm. <laughs> mm. Yeah. And, and also it's well, nicely um, programmed young people for, for the narrative, right? They're, they'll they'll mm. be believing and thinking the right things at the right times. Definitely. Um, well, I, was, I mean, I was just listening to RCR the other day. Rodney Hyde was talking to someone, and they were chatting about how the schools don't even teach the time timetables anymore. It's all just the woke agenda. Did you see that so, coming? Um, Did you see that coming? Um, yes, oh, definitely for years. Right. Hmm, definitely and, been coming. And, and it sort of turned out but the way it, you thought it might? Oh, very much so. Um, I, I, I don't think it will be possible much longer to get a degree or maybe even finish school without, you know, flying the rainbow flag or making some kind of some kind of offering to the woke god. <laughs> yeah, on the altar of the woke. Um, yeah. What got you interested in, I'm not going to say homeschooling, what, what, what's the other way of saying oh. it? Because I don't want to annoy you. <laughs> home education. Home education. I like to call it. I like to call it normal education. Okay, let's call it normal. Let, let's call it normal education. From here on, and we'll call it that. So, okay. wh- where, where is it fair to say you got a passion for it? It sounds like you have. That's why we're talking with you. Mm. Where did that passion come from? Oh, from my parents. I was brought up this way all my life. My father grew up in Nazi Germany. He was forced into the Hitler Youth, and his his conviction was that you can't have a free country if your children are brought up by the state. Okay. And my mother felt the same way. Uh, my mother was American. Um, 
and she was also disillusioned with big government and the system. And so they made up their minds that their child was not going to go to school. And so I was brought up at home back in the 1970s and 80s when you couldn't do it and nobody was doing it and it was impossible. And my parents triumphed over everyone telling them that they were wrong and that I'd fail and that they were ruining my life. And that passion just carried on now to the third generation. Okay. It's interesting you mentioned your father's background, particularly picked up on that. Those who have witnessed things are a lot wiser, aren't they? Mm. Oh, definitely. Yeah. You kind of feel dumb compared to those people in this day and age. Yet people will believe Mm. things so easily. You you mentioned, you know, the sort of attitude that your parents faced back in the day when you were Mm. um, experiencing home education. Uh, The people really believe in the system, don't they? They really can't get away from believing in the system. Anyone who's not in the system is sort of slightly, well, what, weird or odd. Mm. Mm. And it's it's painful to see people so blind and so self-destructive. You feel sorry for them, but it seems impossible to help them sometimes. And I wonder if uh, those uh, people who criticise, you know, uh, they come forward uh, with the praise when they realise that they were wrong. That doesn't happen much either. <laughs> it doesn't. It was at my mother's funeral that someone came up to me and congratulated me on the success of my education. Never before. Wow. So I tell that story to people sometimes. I say, look, they'll, they'll say that you were right at your funeral. Yeah, so have you put that background to use in helping others and what have you done in that area over the time how many people have you kind of um, helped into home education I'm not sure actually because I haven't kept a list of them but um, I've been doing it for well we lived in in North Otago and Omaru for 20 years and I was the main contact for home education for about 10 years during that time. So, yeah, helped quite a lot of families and also ran different groups and things. So I've had quite a lot of experience with helping people, but as I say, I haven't kept a list of them, so I can't No, I, well, I didn't expect you to be that, that accurate. We, we want names and addresses, Tani, please. Okay. <laughs> um, in terms of the span of years, you know, homeschooling, oh. Um, oh. Home education can take up. Are you talking about everything from you know day one through to what end of uh, what secondary school? Um, the, the whole span, oh, or is it oh, okay? Yeah, because that yeah. would get more complicated Even, and involved as you go go on. I would imagine it does. Yes, and it gets more expensive too because you do get to a point where. You know, your children actually need some sort of official formal qualifications. They need to get driver's licenses, and and that sort of thing costs money. So with the cost of living nowadays, it's it's very difficult for people to survive on one income, and that really is a major stumbling block. Well, that's another thing that annoys Um, me, that you've brought it up, that um, we don't support um, families with one parent 
I guess it really doesn't matter anymore oh. who it is, which which one it is, dad or mum or oh. whatever. But someone at home, I I got a feeling that uh, it would be a better place if that was in place, if there were um, oh. incentives to cover the hardship that would otherwise be felt without two people working. It's the world is geared to well, everyone working, isn't it? Very much so. No, I don't know if you've ever seen this research, but if you plot on a chart the rise in income of married women over the course of the 20th century, and you plot on a chart the rise of income tax over the same period, the lines are virtually identical. I know this research has been done in the United States and also in New Zealand, so I assume it would probably be the same for the whole developed world. Um, <laughs> the reality is that married women have been going out to work to make money for the government. Right. And all of their additional income has been swallowed up in taxation to the point where a double-income family today is no better off than a single-income family 100 years ago. Well, that's interesting. Okay, it sounds like a bit of a, 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 bit of a well, fraud or... Uh, uh, there's been a bit of a play. People have been yeah, played a there, right? A ripoff, yeah. Okay. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And yet yeah. Um, there's a whole industry geared to providing childcare, which is to usually the lowest dollar hourly rate. Mm. And um, everyone's happy to support and subsidise that. Indeed, one of the major campaign announcements of the National Party is more money for childcare, oh. so it's easier to go out and uh, fragment your family. <laughs> oh, well. Yeah. I mean, does that annoy you? That annoys me. Oh, it does. It's that's society destroying itself. I mean, it's, it's it always seems to be the same argument with this, you know, education policy. It always seems to be the same argument. This isn't working, so let's do more of it. Uh, what's the definition yeah, of insanity? Every- doing the what the same thing over again and expecting a different result every time, something like that. Exactly. Yeah. So, I mean, we're supposed to be proud that New Zealand has something like 95% of children attending ECE, and yet um, I've heard from, from, um, from teachers that children are now arriving at school at the age of five not knowing nursery rhymes, not knowing the colour, not knowing a square from a circle. Crikey. You know, it's the things that everyone just used to learn at home with mummy. Well, I, I guess you I don't you don't get that for myself. the you don't get that for the uh, minimum wage. <laughs> mm. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Sorry, I interrupted you. Carry I've on. witnessed I've witnessed myself New Zealand children who speak with American accent because they've learned to talk watching Disney TV. Oh dear. Oh, yeah, so what are the political parties saying? Let's do more of the same. But people seem to react favourably to that, but I guess they have been Mm. educated into thinking that is the way you you do things. So uh, let's Mm. say we've got people listening right now, maybe, um, Mm. you know, parents or even grandparents, um, Mm -hmm. and, you know, they're thinking about the education of their, their child or grandchild or whoever, and they're thinking mm. this could be too hard. Where, where's where's a good place to start? Mm. I mean, you made it sound so simple at the start, but there must be some, you know, things mm. you can do to really sort of set it all up. So, 
you're going to get the yeah. best. You and the kids are going to get the best shot at it. So take us through oh. that. Okay. Well, the first thing I always say to people is find your local home education group and go along. Because as far as I know, every area or community has a home education group. And they are the people who will help you, support you, who will be your friends, help you to get the information and resources that you need. So that's, that's the first place to go. And there's some really great groups online as well. Um, there's some good Facebook groups. One that I belong to is called Home Education in New Zealand. And um, one of the admins on there is my friend Barbara Smith, who with her husband Craig ran the New Zealand Home Education Foundation for decades. So there's a, a wealth of wisdom and experience to tap into there. Um, there's also a homeschooling dad who does a blog called Spark Raving Dad. Uh-huh. And he is great. Um, when I'm on the Facebook groups, I often see, you know, a mum will come on and say, I'm, I would like to have my children at home, but my husband isn't so keen. And so I would say, I'll see if you can get him to read Stark Raving Dad. It just might change his mind. <laughs> so, um, <laughs> there's a point. Yeah, who's who's more likely to want to uh, do home education? Is it mum or dad? You just sort of kind of mentioned that, so I'm curious to know. Yeah, I'm not sure. I can't give you statistics on that. That's probably more often the mum. Um who's just feeling, you know, she doesn't want her babies to go away. And the dad thinks, well, you're just being sentimental. You know, they need to be in the system toughen up. Yeah. Then, but then you've got but a persu- everybody's a different. Persuasion. Every family is different. And then there's a persuasion effort that would be required at that point, I would imagine, to take it oh. further. And go, go see, her. what was the name of the blog again? The dad blog? Stark Raving Dad. <laughs> what sort of equipment is required? I mean, you talked about you know using local libraries. Obviously, the education mm. ministry department. What they provide resources as well, and and what sort of eye do they keep on things? Are they intrusive? Right, not at all. And um, <laughs> this is where I think, in some ways, we live a bit of a charmed life. I think. Most people actually assume that they keep tabs on you all the time. And if your children aren't meeting some undefined standard for a single day, they will take away your your rights and make you send your children to school. It's it's actually nothing like that at all. Um, It's so completely unsupervised, um, unregulated that... um, Teachers have been complaining. There was an article in the stuff a few months ago with teachers saying, this is terrible. No one's keeping an eye on these people. Nobody knows what they're doing. And some of them are fit to be teaching their children. So, so do you want me to, to run through just legally what you have to do and how think, you have yeah, to deal with that, that? That's a good idea. Great idea. Let's do that. Okay. Hmm. When you're ready. So, so New Zealand law is that children between the ages of 6 and 16 must be enrolled at and attending a registered school when it is open. And the only real exceptions for that are a few 
say live on a boat or you're in a circus or something like that. Circus? <laughs> okay. <laughs> so if you're just a normal, normal family at home, then legally you have to apply to your local office of the Ministry of Education for an exemption from enrollment in a registered school. And you have to apply for each of your children before they turn six. Once that process is completed, then you get a certificate of exemption. And then they pretty much leave you alone and don't bother you for the rest of your life. Are there any hoops to a, wait on, are there any hoops to jump through in that application process? They sort of like call you up. It is a difficult yourself? process. Oh, it really? is, yeah, it is, it is difficult to get through. In what um, way? In what sense? Why is it difficult? It's, it's a long, involved form that you have to fill out. They want a lot of information. Basically, they want you to tell them everything that you're going to do for the first year with your children, um, which, you know, from one point of view, that's perfectly reasonable. From another point of view, it's, it's not fair because you don't know until you try it what's going to work for you and what isn't. And it's your business. So it's your business, exactly. Yeah. Well, that's how... I'm glad you see it that way. That's how I see it. Um, but And it depends a bit, too, on who you're dealing with. You can get a really nasty person in the office who just doesn't want to give it to you. And you could end up with quite a battle on your hands. Again, this is a reason why the first thing you need to do is join your local home education group. Right. Because they will help and support you through all of this. Um Plus, before I forget to mention it, there's a lovely lady called Cynthia Hancock who's online who will, for a very, very modest fee, help through this whole process. She's made a full-time business of helping people with home education. And I i don't actually know her personally, but I've heard nothing but good about her. So she's sort of available to fall back on as well. Yeah. As I say, it's a difficult process, and they usually come back to you saying your application isn't good enough. We need more information. And what sort of information? And what more? In, are they prying into, you know, um, more more general areas, or is it all very specific around education? Um, it's pretty specific to education, um, but it's. Um, just trying to think back to the last time I did it. I should have done my research and checked up on the form. But, um, because I, I, the reason I ask you that is because already they've probably got an attitude towards it anyway. And uh, mm. and I guess if you're you're sounding very uh, motivated, insistent, etc., they probably see that. I, I'm second guessing, but you know, as oh, we've got mm. another one of those, <laughs> you know, <laughs> and already you, you yeah. kind of. Having to work with that, mm. I don't know. I think it, it pretty much depends on who you who you strike in the office. Okay, so that's a bit of a random um, draw for people. Oh, oh! Mm. But you can get through it. One just one piece of advice um, that my friend Barbara Smith would always give people is: it does occasionally happen that they just say your application has been declined. And, and you can appeal this if you want to. So Craig and Barbara would always say, don't appeal it, whatever you do. Just get the forms again and reapply. And you may very well sail through the second time. 
And, and I take it they give you a good um, uh, list of reasons why there was a decline, so you know what you're working with. It's not just, sorry. Well, I don't think so. I remember doing one of mine. Um, <laughs> I'd, I'd sent in my application. I've got this, this yes, individual on the phone who said, this is not good enough. You haven't given me enough information. So I said, well, what what is lacking? What more information do you want? And she said, I can't tell you that because then I'd be writing the application for you. Oh, gosh. <laughs> All right. Okay. Well, that's, uh, that's, that's, uh, that's handy. That helps. All right. So how did you get around that? At the end, what she said she would do was she would grant the exemption but then she would get the education review office to come and review us in a year's time. So this is the only time we've ever had an ERO review. They they used to do them, but they they stopped. They actually stopped doing them for home educated children several years ago because they had a funding cut and they decided that we were low risk. <laughs> Okay. Which I guess is a bit of a backhanded compliment. So we don't actually get ERO reviews anymore. But I did have one just that one time, just for one child, because of um, that difficulty with the the exemption process. Right. So as you're going through, how how do they, or how do you know that your child is maintaining, um, you know, at least the academic standard? Equivalent to those mm. of the same age and point in their schooling at actual school. How do you do that? Mm. Um, well, personally, I don't. Um, but you would be hoping that, that, that you, there would be some achievement there. Um, of course, you would. But but you. Well, definitely. Yeah. I mean, this is to me. This is the difficulty with with the exemption process. They. They, they keep coming back to this point. How how will you know that your child is meeting the standards? How will you know that they're making progress? And I know what they want me to say. They want me to say, I'm going to do tests. Ah, right? The testing. whole school system yeah. revolves around tests. Right. I'm going to do tests. And if they fail on their tests, then I'll give them more to do in this area. Well, I don't do that. I just don't do it. Um, Aren't you flying a bit blind, though, in in that sense? Because you you do need to, well, someone needs to know, don't they, that it's working? Or can you just feel that it's working? Here's the thing. Um, Most young people have some idea what they want to do when they grow up. So what we do is we work backwards. We look at... Now, what are you going to want to do when you're 16 or 17 or 18? What fields do you want to get into? What kind of qualifications do they require for that? Or what sort of experience will you need? And then we work backwards from there. What do we need to be doing now to work towards that? So that's how we'd work it. So you'd have to be ready to change a bit, wouldn't you? Because, you know, interests and passions... For kids change. I mean, I wanted to steer the mm. Picton ferries when I was six. <laughs> well, it never worked out that yeah. way, I can tell you. Though I really wanted to do mm. that. I used to sit outside and watch them go out the harbour every day, dreaming of me being up there, being the helmsman on one of them. <laughs> yeah. 
And as I say, of yeah, it, well, it didn't turn out that way. No. But, you know, families are adaptable. Families can adapt very quickly. And that's another thing. We have a very rapidly changing world today. Um, you might want to do one particular job, but in two or three years' time, that job doesn't even exist anymore. So as far as I'm concerned, families can adapt very quickly to those kinds of changes, just in the same way that the free market can adapt almost immediately to changes in supply and demand, whereas the schools will still be teaching completely irrelevant material years from now. There's been a hell of a lot of criticism of our education system lately. I talked to Oliver Hartwich, who's the head of the New Zealand Initiative. He's he's scathing mm. of it, and he's not the only mm. one, like scathing. It seems to be mm. in a bad state. And also, uh, it, it seems to be, you know, we hear that they teach things that kids really don't need to know. And they, mm. you know, they, they teach it hard. I'm just looking at an old blog of yours, and you say here, Regarding self-education, you say here, first for myself and then for anyone else, I can persuade to kick the dead-end habits of school and the junk culture. Dead-end habits, junk culture. Pretty strong. (laughs) Oh, yes. I make people angry. (laughs) Okay. So... You say dead-end habits. I mean, how dead-end? Like I mentioned, people are not happy with the system now. Do you think it's kind of, the wheels are kind of falling off it, sort of? I do, I do. Um, I think it's going to follow in in the footsteps of the health system, medical system, which is, by all reports, falling apart as we speak. So I think the whole world is in, I mean, the whole world is in turmoil at the moment, and we're in a a tumultuous scene where and I think I think the education so called education system follows the so called health system very closely in this regard. You've got, you know, the UN, the WHO, these people trying to seize absolute control of people's lives. Um, at the same time that the institutions they're trying to do it through are falling apart and collapsing. Yet yeah, it it, so it carries on as if that isn't sort of happening, you know, the sort of dogged yeah. effort to carry on and, and keep moving. And now some of the things that we hear are being taught in school, which are not related at all to academic um, areas of study or anything like that. There's more social engineering. Yeah. It's probably yeah. it's probably the best time to keep kids away because do you think they're being brainwashed at school? We hear this all the time. Yes. Well, I mean, brainwash is a specific term for a specific kind of um, of okay, uh, molded, molded into technique, but molded into a, a particular way of thinking. I think that's inescapable. That's what education is. Um, it does make me angry because you know I'm a Christian. We're a Christian family, and. You know, we've lived for decades with this. Oh, these Christians shouldn't be allowed to teach their own children because they're brainwashing them. You know, as, as if we were the only people who tried to influence our children with our beliefs and values. Everybody does that. 
Well, they seem to be pretty, pretty well tried and tested values <laughs> um, mm. over yes. a long period of time. Uh, there's plenty of evidence to suggest yeah. that, that we sort of have the the kind of well we have because of those values. Mm. Do you think there's been a bit of an assault, uh, more recently particularly, on, let's say, Christian values? Oh, definitely, yeah. And, and the attitude towards people of faith, they're kind of mocked mm-hmm. now. Um, yes, I think so. Um, I guess it's all part of the changing world that we live in. Yeah. But certainly, um, there's a, a Christian book that came out recently called Being the Bad Guys. And basically saying to Christians, we are now the bad guys in this world that we live in. And everybody's going to be pointing the finger at us and blaming us for things that are going wrong, and we're just going to have to live with that. Well, for being good. (laughs) Blame for being good. Yeah, yeah, that's great. All right. So so you'd have the kids at home um, for the whole time. So how many years is that? Well, let's see. I've been at home with children for 26 years, and I've probably got another six years or so to go. Okay. So it's, it's basically it's basically your life, your adult life. And then at the end of it, when you know kids are grown up to the point where they want to go and follow their their dreams, their passions, mm. um, how do you find that mm. that goes for them? That sort of clicking into the, well, the mainstream or going to, what, have you had any experience of, of any of them going on to, like, university education, anything like that? Yeah, I've got two children who've left home so far and um, three who've gone on to full-time work and study, or, or study. Um, so it's interesting because my own experience was that I never actually had a university entrance qualification. I didn't quite do enough school to get the entrance qualification, but I was able to get into university anyway because of um, from personal recommendation. And interestingly, my two grown-up children had exactly the same thing. Neither of them had quite enough qualification to get into the tertiary study that they needed to do. But they both got in because they were already working in that field and they had personal recommendation. So this is another thing about home education, and this is a a very common story, actually, in our world. Um, Probably, I mean, I don't know if you're as old as I am, but you and I grew up with that, being taught that, that system where... You know, you go to school, you work hard at school, you get, well, in our day it was school certificate. Yep. And as long as you get your school cert, then you'll get a job, right? That was always the story we were told. If you want a really good job, then you do another year, you get university entrance, you go to university, get a degree, then you'll get into a a good profession. And that's the, the, um, the scenario that a lot of us were brought up with, but it really doesn't work anymore. That, that's still being pushed, though. That, that, that's still being pushed, though, isn't it? You, you need a, a university education yeah. uh, to, yeah. you know, really have a, a job that will fulfil all your desires 
material desires, I guess, That's right. through your life. The last time, yeah. And they make you pay for I it. You buy it. <laughs> you buy it, don't you? It's not like um, you had to, mm. to meet a, a standard or anything. Um, you, oh. you just hand over the money and roll and... Unless I'm missing something, that's how it works, and you're in. So all that's gone anyway, isn't it? Well, the last time I checked the statistics, um, university graduates were one of the biggest demographics of the unemployed. Oh, gosh. Yeah, pl- that, that, plumbers that do far better. just doesn't hold true anymore. Plumbers do far better. Oh, oh definitely. So, so it's a bit of a <laughs> I con, wish really. More yeah, yeah, you wouldn't have to wait so long. Yeah, so it's a bit of a, oh. bit of a con, really, do you think? Oh, definitely. Well, I mean, it's not as if, well, I'm not saying that there's somebody up there manipulating all this to deceive everybody. It's it's what teachers believe in, isn't it? Because they've followed that system themselves. They've gone through that system. They've got gone through university or whatever, and that's and that's just what they promote to their students. Though it would be be fair to say, though, that that we've seen demonstrated, particularly recently, there's a fair amount of arrogance in that sector. They they do have Mm. a kind of a, what looks like a superiority complex, many of them anyway. Mm. Yes. Agreed. (laughs) It's, um, well, it, it just goes with the territory, I think. Academia and pride go together, intellectual pride. Um, yeah. That's the, the promise that the school system holds out is the promise of prestige. You know? that's, it's a huge, huge draw card. And I, I really think that when all is said and done, it's these, these matters of the heart, these attitudes of the heart that are the real thing in education. The school system holds out that promise of prestige. You know, you get the good marks and you're a top student and no one's allowed to question that. No one's allowed to criticize that. You get into university, you get a degree, and from that moment on, no one is allowed to question your expertise in that area. Yeah. There's a huge amount of pride that goes in that. Well, there's a few I'd like to question. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> I can tell you that interrogate actually more than question put the light on them and ask some hard questions but that's for another day okay so with the way things are at the moment there does seem anecdotally to it does seem to me that there's more people thinking and talking about you know taking the education of their kids into their own hands and we've talked yeah. about it a bit already on uh, reality check radio we're talking about it now how much oh, of, of a, a growth in demand do you think there is out there? And and where do you think it might lead us in the big picture? It's um, doubled in recent years in New Zealand. So definitely growth. Um, but it's very hard to make any predictions about the way things are going to go in the future. As I said, I think there's these two sort of lines Converging, to put it in another way, the um, the move of our society towards total control, totalitarianism, um, and you know, total control of the population necessitates control of children and children's minds. So you've sort of got that on a collision course with the um, so-called education system that is 
completely failing, falling apart at the cracks. I think um, both Winston Peters and um, Peter Seymour have been clucking and squawking lately about truancy. It's now 50% or something. <laughs> um, yeah, they, they can't. They can't control it. They can't hold it together. So I don't know what's going to happen. I think things could get very messy. Yeah, well, that's a, that's a lot but, to. Um, if that happens, it's a lot to undo, and because a reinvention would then have to take place, and that's that's not easy to, yeah. to slow the super tanker down and turn it around, is it? No. So I think that actually resilience has got to be one of our priorities. Um, it's been my view for 15 or 20 years that I was living in a collapsing society. Um, and that is, that, that's been confirmed to me over the last three years, if you know what I, I mean. I think it's fair to say, yep. Um, if, if it's not that, then I don't know what it is. And look, it certainly walks like it, looks like it, and sounds like it. Mm. So I've been sort of thinking, well, you know, history books are a bit light on information about what happens to the people who survive the collapse of civilization. When you think about it, they tell you, oh, the Roman Empire collapsed, the Greek Empire collapsed. But they don't sort of think about the fact that most that doesn't mean that everybody was dead. No, no they the had Roman to carry Empire on. Fell, it wasn't because the Romans had all died. Yeah. <laughs> so what what happens to the people who survive the collapse of civilization? Um Very I think good most people you know, the majority of the population does actually survive and they wander off somehow and survive somehow and eventually. Well, well actually I think I might have an answer. Else. I think I might have an answer for that. Uh, sorry to again jump in over the top, but yeah. what I saw I wasn't there, but what I saw at that parliamentary protest mm. was what people mm. do when they have to get their mm. crap together. And actually they're yeah. very, very effective at doing it. it. It's sort of like a natural thing. It was so impressive mm. to see that and subsequently hear about it. You know, the place got organised pretty quick. You know, things were sorted mm. out. Issues were taken care of without mm. any sort of direct power structure. So maybe that's how it, it happens. It was wonderful. It was, <laughs> it, was, it was actually like an ideal society. I, I sometimes think that's the reason the politicians hated them so much is because what they were doing out there was so competent. And, and, and they, the, were, they were standing on the steps of Parliament, on yeah. the front lawn of Parliament, showing what competent people Yeah, how it's do. done. How it is done. Yeah. Right in front of them. <laughs> and and um, mm. it, it's, it's terrible to think or to know that many New Zealanders saw them as scum. They didn't see that. Mm. They couldn't mm. see that. Boy, that... It's hard to take. Yeah, that is. But, yes, I, I do think that um, resilience has got to be a priority for us. Um, I, 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 I know that at the end of an interview like this, I'm supposed to say something very inspiring. Oh, you no, know, you the, violins, it... <laughs> the violins start playing, the soft filter comes down. And I, I have say, no violins and no filters. If everybody would just do this, yeah. we could have this wonderful rosy future. And 
Um, no, call it as it is, Tani. Like call, call, call it as you see it. You know, if it's not rosy, mm. it's not rosy. If it is, it is. Uh, I'm not expecting mm. some big inspirational wind up. What I was going to ask you um, yeah. to, is to repeat again, if you can, um, you know, think of them again off the top of your head. Um, who to call? Mm. Where to visit? Mm-hmm. Um, online, probably. Um, mm-hmm. If um, people are thinking of of doing this, and I think there is more motivation mm. to do this. And and I'm also thinking mm. that it's really up to the parents in the end, isn't it? It's up to... Oh, you, you might have to think that you... It might not necessarily turn out to be a sacrifice, but sacrifice or alter the way you're living at the moment and overcome mm. any fear, particularly of loss or perception of loss of income, I would have thought. Oh, definitely. I mean, with the rising cost of living at the moment, it's hard enough for people as it is. Well, if they're so taking it, it all in tax, it doesn't matter anyway, you know. <laughs> oh, do you get subsidised yeah. for, for teaching kids at home? Because, you know, you pay taxes. Some of that is for mm. education. And if you're not utilising mm. the service, you're still paying the money. Is there anything that comes back mm. in resourcing uh, that way that can help? Well, good question. New Zealand is actually the only country in the world where home educating families get some kind of financial contribution from the government. Oh, great. Okay, well, there's there's one. There's something. So <laughs> that's the thing I, I didn't remember to mention before. Once you've got the um, exemption, they do send you a declaration which you have to fill out and send back every six months. Um, which simply says that your um, children are being educated as regularly and well as in a registered school. used to be a statutory declaration, which was a real nuisance to do, but nowadays you just fill it in and send it back. And then they give you this payment, which is... I I, I don't get it, personally. I don't accept it because I I don't... I believe that it's the family's responsibility. Um, but you could see it as a tax credit if you choose to. It's about $600, I think, $700 for the first child and less for subsequent children. So you can get that twice a year. Okay. Well, that's something. If people want to take it, it's there. Yeah. That's right. Okay. And some of those resources – sorry, you, you finish? Right. Yep. So um, Facebook group. Home education in New Zealand is the one that I'm recommending. But there's heaps of other ones as well. There's the Dark Raving Dad blog. And then there's Cynthia Hancock, who's available to help and support, as I said, for a very, very modest fee. And that cuts through the red um, tape, above. potentially. Huh? Sorry? And, and using someone like the person just mentioned helps cut through the red mm. tape, potentially. Oh, very much so, yes. Yeah. All and, right. Um, Is there anything yeah, else? Above and, above and yeah. beyond all, find, find your local home educational group. And you'll get to know people and you'll become a community, won't you? Oh, that's right. Boy, that's <laughs> – can't have that. <laughs> <laughs> that's scary. Boy. Yes, yes, subversive subculture. Yeah, you'll be, you'll, they'll be making documentaries about you. Before you know uh-huh. it, and and I see that one, the fire and the fury is up for an award. Can you believe it? Up for an award? Oh, great! Documentary yeah. of the year category. Yeah, That's what yeah. we're dealing with. That's what we're dealing with. 
<laughs> All right. Is there anything that we've missed? Anything you'd like yeah. to say in the in in you know inspiring or otherwise at the end of this? Um. Let's see. Well, one thing that I didn't say before is, um, and this is just my personal philosophy, but I believe that reading to your children is basic education. Um, if you can't do anything else, just reading good books to your children is sufficient to educate them. Okay. And I've heard where one reading expert said that if you, just talking about small children, um, if you read, you know, just at the age where you just read them a picture book, she said if you read them three books a day, one favorite, one familiar, and one new, they will learn to read. Well, that's so simple. It's so simple. Hmm. I know. I used to do that. Hmm. Maybe and I made more of a difference to the school. <laughs> oh, definitely. <laughs> I mean, people criticize the schools for failing to educate, but I mean, not to be horrible, but where were the parents reading bedtime stories? Yeah. Well, you know, I think a lot of parents uh, tend to outsource those sorts of things, mm. and I can yeah. I can see why because you know, um, full days work both of them. Tired getting home, there's more work to be done, mm. and um, yeah. you know, uh, do you have any time left or, or any bandwidth in front left? Of the TV. And, it, into screen. and it's easy to do that, right? It's easy just to put them there. So I tell you, mm. you don't learn to read from watching Disney, mm. from watching the Disney Channel. You won't learn. You, your kids won't learn to read from I, that. I don't think so. No. no. All right. Well, it's been really interesting speaking with you, and thank you for for mm. taking some time on Reality Check Radio. I'm I'm sure that was interesting to many of our listeners. They kind of have a, a few ideas so. of where to go and what to do now, where to start. You've mentioned those Facebook groups and other people involved, uh, so there is a place mm-hmm. to start. So, Tani Newton, yep. thanks for being on Reality Check Radio to, to inform us about normal education. How about that? <laughs> Thank you so much. And I'm really inspired by what you are doing with RCR. Um, may you go from strength to strength. Well, you know, you mentioned the marketplace before. <laughs> I guess that'll be they'll be the arbiters, but um, so far so good. Indeed. I have to say. So thank you oh. for, your, for your your nice wishes there, and um, okay. we'll keep an eye on what happens with this whole thing. Um, uh, yes, normal indeed. education, homeschooling, whatever you want to call it. I know you don't like that term, oh. and uh, you know maybe oh. maybe we'll talk again if something comes up. So thank you. Be great. Okay. Thanks a lot. RCR with Paul Brennan, Reality Check Radio.